Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the last Recruitment Flex of the year. Today, we're going to tackle a bunch of topics. We're going to talk about the top recruiter awards. Are they still relevant? Do they still mean anything? Are they even credible? We'll also talk about polls on LinkedIn. And Ali, our guest co-host, is not a big fan. And shame on Mayfield Consumer Products. We'll deep dive on what's happened with the tornado there. Plus, we'll all give each our predictions of what's going to happen in the world of work and recruitment in 2022. As always, love to introduce my co-host, Shelly Billinghurst, and our guest co-host, Ali Noel. Welcome, ladies. Hello, hello. Hey, Serge. Boy, that was a big drum roll. I am so fortunate because every day I get to work with extremely smart women and to have both of you Aww. join me on the podcast is he's going to finish off the year and pour on the charm. Thanks, wow. Serge. I will. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for you guys to keep coming on next year. So Shelly, you're, yes. you're legally binded to come on every show. But Ali, I do need to uh, make sure that you're happy that you love coming on. So Ali, it's been a while. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I can't wait for the next two weeks to be over. But other than that, I'm good. What do you mean? <laughs> How old are your kids again, Allie? Seven and five. Oh, so, so they're right in the wonder of Santa. Mm-hmm. Oh, good mm-hmm. for you. No, no, I'm bah humbug and I will put the Grinch on forever and ever. So they understand it like the new animated one. But I just I can't get into the spirit of it. And it's weird. Did you guys catch the article of there is an actual Grinch service that you can hire and they will come into your house. They'll wrap your tree in toilet paper. They'll mess up the bed. This is their claim on their ad. And so this woman complained because she hired the Grinch to come in and do this for her kids. Right. The Grinch is here. He's going to mess up our Christmas. But this guy came in as the Grinch and he dumped everything out of her refrigerator on the floor, pulled down the Christmas tree and wrapped it in toilet paper and just destroyed her house. And so the debate that Brooke and I had was, <laughs> oh, well, that's so on brand for her to complain. Right. Do you think she was mm-hmm. complaining because she only thought he'd come in and mess up the beds? No, you hired the Grinch. <laughs> you let him in your house. Have you seen, like, have you read seen the books? The movie? Have you seen yes. the movies? Like, that's yeah. his MO. That's what he does. Yeah. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, Shelly. Like, what the I hell? Know, I know. Brooke and I this morning were, huh. So, what did you think would happen? Really? Like, yeah, you invited you, the Grinch into your house. You <laughs> so paid she was for very this. upset. She doesn't recommend this service to anyone. Really? So is it better if you get one star out of five then for being the Grinch because you've done your job so well? Yes, exactly. (laughs) The worst service for Christmas ever. If there's ever been a Karen moment, that is a Karen moment right now. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So Shelly, what's up with you? You know what? I am still going to Germany. Absolutely. We've got everything lined up, got some really cool hotels we're staying in in Munich and Frankfurt. I'm sure you guys have heard of this. So I was thinking, what can I do that's very kind of Canadian or trending right now in Canada? Because we have a family and friends in Germany and we'll be with them on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. So have you guys seen the the trend where everybody in your family dresses up in the same pajamas and then they do a photo op? I've seen it for years, right? 
there's always something. So is it a Canadian thing? Anyway, so guess what I'm doing? I hope that they don't listen to my podcast. So it'll <laughs> still be a surprise. Um, I ordered the plaid pajama pants and a big tacky Santa shirt. And I ordered eight of them. Oh my. And everybody, including <laughs> grandpa, opa, and I'm going to make them all put on the pajamas. So we have a photo op. I'm so glad I'm not part of your family. Yeah, you good, said I'm wonderful at gift giving, Serge. I know you are, but this is the worst thing I've ever heard. Poor oh, no. grandpa. Okay, like, I don't know, Allie. Would you do that? Uh, 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 I I don't think I'm the good person to ask about that because I already hate the stuff that goes around with Christmas. So like that kind of trend is just so cringeworthy oh. to me. Like it's just. Oh. You know, in okay, the, I won't share the photo with you. Don't, yeah, I'm sure it'll be great, but make sure that when Uncle Joe still wants to wear the shirt because he might just hold it up in front of him. Not everybody's Shelly, I want Germans, right? Yeah. I want the photo. I <laughs> okay. want the photo. Okay. I'm going to put okay. it on our website, I'm going to put it on our LinkedIn page, and I'm okay. going to hold it for a long time. So anytime I need to blackmail you, I'll have that picture because you are going to regret it. Oh, no. You no. guys really are Grinches. Oh, my God. Yeah. Have a little fun. Relax. All right. Yeah, let's okay, jump no. into the topics. Okay. Okay. Which one are you going to tackle first, Search? The first one I'm going to tackle is a little bit of a tough one because I've been really reluctant to talk about this one. And I'm going to talk about the top recruiter mm-hmm. awards. So I have friends mm-hmm. that have won it. I have friends that have been nominated. I know the founder. Ah, so this is really tough, but I want to put it out there. What I've seen lately that this has become a complete marketing ploy. They're trying to nominate as many people as possible. It's uh, really a popularity contest because the person that won for the top corporate recruiter in our local market has been recruiting for five months. And the top agency recruiter has been recruiting for four years and a not very reputable agency. So, Ali, am I completely mm. being an ass to say, because uh, I know you've won. Yeah. Nominated. So what's your viewpoint on this? So let me back it up and say how I found out about this, because I had my recruitment company and somebody that I hired to work as a consultant was nominated. And I was like, oh, what is this? Because it was in your market and not my market. And totally unfamiliar. And I thought it was really interesting, but it is a popularity contest. For the record, for everybody listening, I am a top recruiter award winner. So I actually won the award top 10 for all of the agency recruiters across Canada in 2019. Mm -hmm. Because of my award in 2019, I still was an award nominee in 2021, even though I have removed myself from traditional recruitment and have gone into tech building so I, I'm not sure how that works, but you know, the three-year, you still get put up for nomination. I don't think anybody's nominated me recently, but what has to happen is somebody needs to nominate you, and then you need to have both the employers that you've worked with and the candidates that have gone through to go in and rank your service. So of course, people are going to go after the great people that they had wonderful experiences with and get them to fill it out and use it as that likelihood to recommend score kind of thing. So the five months thing, that gets me because how? Five months, you're just barely learning everything about that company, let alone positioning your branding and getting to know the candidates and having really good experience. Like That's just fishy to me. But at the same time, I know that 
you have to have a higher level of feedback from both sides of the equation because we're salespeople for both sides of the equation. I, I like it on one side, but it, it is kind of a popularity contest. How, so, how could that happen, Allie? Because you've been through the process, is yeah. the person who wins because they got the most votes? I don't know if it's the most votes or if there's an algorithm behind it because there's many different areas and I'm forgetting all of the areas because again, it was 2019 and that was like a whole pandemic ago. There's different areas that you have to nominate in. What was the experience, the communication, blah, 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 but it's out of five. So if somebody has like a four out of five, that drops their ranking or their scoring down, but you have to have at least three people nominating. So do they have more people nominating? Are they just sending your one wreck of 25 candidates and you take the top 10 through? Are you sending all 10 of those candidates and they're giving you five out of fives for chance to come on board for an interview? Like, how is this okay. working? And okay. This is an assumption and it might be completely wrong. The top recruiter is a platform, right? It's an agency platform that a lot of the recruiters that have been nominated to become part of that platform, you can go on and give a price and then the recruiters can decide if they want to take your package or not. I'm thinking, and maybe I'm I'm wrong here, is, is it just a business development opportunity? Hey, I want to work with this customer, so I'm going to make sure that this person gets nominated because I've seen the back end of those recruiters that have been nominated for top recruiter. And a lot of them don't even know they're in the back end, which I found really surprising a couple of years ago. Shelly, what's your take on this whole thing? So my understanding, Serge, from what you've explained is just that. This was a way to build a community of recruiters who could take side hustles or could take assignments. It really was the Uber model where your clients would rate you five stars and your candidates rate you five stars. So you then become the top Uber driver, but now you're the top recruiter. And that's how I believed the business model was set up. It was a copycat of the Uber model. To be named a top recruiter, I have no idea how that decision's made other than what's the old saying, you give me five stars, I'll give you five stars back. That's yeah. how it works. You know, there might be nothing wrong with it, but I just lose credibility when I look at who's won the award and how long they've been in recruitment. And in all fairness to them, they might be excellent and amazing. And I don't want to take that away from them. But I do not want to be part of a marketing ploy and think it's better than Uh it is because they won this fake award. It's becoming less and less legitimate. And when it comes to these awards, there has to be very clear, defined guidelines of what it is to be a top recruiter and how you win. And the minute you start voting, it it loses all credibility with any type of award. Because Uh who's going to hound their network to vote the most for them? And that's why I believe most awards are just BS. They are. They're They're way to get their money. Let me ask you this. Did your Mm -hmm. nomination cost you anything? And I don't mean like you'd have to pay, but it would have cost you to buy. It cost me to buy this. Oh, the frame. (laughs) So I got the nomination and I got the full like, hey, I was a winner for Canada's best agency recruiter. It says top 25, but I did come in 10th. Okay. So what did that cost you? It was like $75 or something like that. But here's the other thing. I got a nomination again, like I said, this year. And they're like, hey, hurry up and purchase your nominee certificate. And I'm like, why would I want to purchase a nominee certificate? So I think there's better ways to do it. Maybe there needs to be some criteria or some integrity for how they're choosing people. But yeah, Yeah. it didn't cost me to pay to play. I just like to get the award and show the acknowledgement. Yeah. When you look at other awards in 2021, I was nominated, made the top 60 out of 600. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did make the finalist for Woman Entrepreneur of the Year. And that is governed by KPMG. So in terms of credibility surge, I totally support the question mark around integrity here, because unless you have an independent auditing firm validating, because when I say, what did it cost me to accept the nomination and put in my response? It cost me thousands. Not that they charged me any money, but if you're really going to submit something anticipating being audited by a KPMG. So yeah. you had to have your year-end financials for three years back. I had to have all of my references lined up. Plus I paid to have the submission professionally done. I had a writer and I had a graphic artist. This was full on If you're going to do this, you've got to do it right. But I think it is the question mark on credibility if you don't have an independent auditing firm, right? Talking about credibility, Ali, talk to us about (laughs) LinkedIn recruiter polls. What's your Hey, so I wake up in the morning, have a cup of coffee, go to LinkedIn as one does. And I'm finding more and more when I log in, I see within the first scroll, there's a recruiter poll. And polls are great because I think it's a nice casual way of collecting information. But when you look at the recruiter polls, they tend to get very specific about things and then don't give you the options. So the background behind it is the polls, you can only have four questions or statements to to select. Usually Mm -hmm. the last one's going to be other and then says comment down below. And if you put the hashtags around it, LinkedIn is set up to have these polls come forward. So you can see if other people have voted on a poll and then it comes into your feed. If they're in a first degree relationship with you, then you can see a second degree poll. Regardless, you're going to see a whole bunch of polls going through. The ones that get me though are the recruiter ones that say, okay, should you have a cover letter? Yes, always. Yes, sometimes. Other. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's rigged. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying that we should have cover letters, but if I don't want to do a cover letter, I have to let you know why? Or that there's no options for this? It gets really annoying. And there's one certain person that's down in the States that has many thousands of followers. Name and he does the same thing. One Salting. It's John Jonathan from One Salting. Okay. And he does the same thing. His target audience is the candidates though. So he's asking, should you leave gaps in your resume? Yes. It depends. No other comment down below. And so it's the same regurgitation of the same thing. And I get that he's got lots of people that join in the conversation, but he's getting hundreds of comments on these things. So the whole ploy with LinkedIn is you need to get people engaging in your content, which comments are going to do that. Answering the polls are going to do that. But here's the catch that a lot of people don't know. As soon as you answer a poll, all of your information is given to the person that created the poll. So if it's a basic poll of, do you like chocolate chip cookies? Yes, no, or other. Now you've got that information from the poll and be like, oh, I love chocolate chip cookies. So do you. We should talk about that sometime. And now you're connecting with these people down the road. So is it a ploy to get more candidates connecting with them? Because they're asking such shitty questions in these polls that have no purpose whatsoever other than to gather connections? Question mark. Have you done a poll? I've done some, like I'll scroll through and then I'll click on it because I want to see what people are answering. And the only way that you can tell is by clicking on it. It's just a way for people to get engagement on their posts. That's the reason they say utter, please explain. So they're hoping people put a bunch of comments, then it ranks them higher in the algorithm. 
do I really care about them? Do I follow them? The questions they're asking, I haven't seen one that is really relevant and I'm like, I'd really like to know more about that. It's just people trying to leverage LinkedIn as an interaction tool, which I can't really blame because people will respond. I agree. Every time I open LinkedIn, I see five polls in a row. And the other thing is posting about posting. Shelly, what do you think? Yeah. So they don't come in my feed anymore. And as soon as I saw it, it just reminded me of on Facebook, there was that trend here, take a personality test. When what you're doing is you've just offered them all of your information. And so that's what immediately came to mind when I saw these polls coming. And I've never seen anything that I felt so strongly about that I wanted to vote. Mm-hmm. I guess it just reminded me too much of the polls that happened on Facebook. And I went, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not hooking me in on that one. So So what's the advice for recruiters that are doing this? Stop. Stop. I think we all know how we want our resumes to look. If if you want to add value to the conversation, then make sure that you're actually putting that out there in a post, not getting it in a poll, because now people have to wait for a week or whatever it is to see the results if you choose to share those results with them. I think there's better ways to give content that is going to pique people's interest that doesn't feel like a catch or that your contact information is the reason why they're trying to do it. And I think, honestly, let's stop with the cover letter questions. How should you list your experience? Should we have paid internships? Like, I think we all have an agreement around those. And if we don't have an agreement, then maybe we're in the wrong industry. <laughs> but yeah, just put the content out there the way that you want it to be engaging and interactive. There's better ways to do it. I agree. If the information is all there, right? If you want to know more about cover letters, there's a ton of content you can go find. Go do it yourself. Stop asking questions just to get engagement. I want to jump to the next topic, and this might be a bit of controversial. I, I do want to call out a company called Mayfield Consumer Products. So Friday, as we're all aware, there was a mm-hmm. tornado that happened in Mayfield, Kentucky. They got the warning of the coming storm. As many as 15 workers went to the managers and asked them if they could take shelter at their own homes, only to have the request rebuff. This is according to the worker, right? Mm-hmm. So fearing for their safety, some left during their shift, regardless of the repercussions, if they were going to get fired or not. And then the hurricane, oh, sorry, the tornado, tornado hit. Tornado. Yeah. And at least eight people died. Okay. I'm I'm gonna give a little bit more context to this. So one employee said in an interview from her hospital bed that the tornado siren sounded around the factory around 5 30. Okay. The real tornado didn't arrive for several more hours. So the warning took around six to seven hours. They wouldn't let the people go. Eight people died. And we don't know what would have happened otherwise if they would have gone home. Their house would have leveled. We talk a lot about the great resignation. We talk about people treated fairly. The companies really care about them. This company who makes fucking candles. The managers here are more concerned about having people in the plant in case nothing happens than putting those people at risk. These are the type of companies that are going to have an extremely hard time to recruit anytime in the future because workers are done with this shit. My safety is more important than your fucking candles, I'll tell you that. So I feel really strongly about this, as you can see. It's always about the safety of your employees. That will be showcased 
when you're trying to recruit people, people know this stuff. And we've seen this in Canada. We've seen it with the meat plants where they didn't care about COVID and a lot of people died in these places as well. Shelly, what's your take on this? So you will get my full agreement on where production of a non-essential product trumps employee safety. Here's what I would like to have more reporting on because in preparation for this uh, episode, I did some reading up. First of all, tornadoes in that part of Kentucky is not that common. There was a warning system in place and, and I was watching it on the news because I have family that live not too far from Bowling Green. I have two aunties that live in that part of Kentucky. They've lived there for 40 years. I don't think tornadoes are that common. So there would have been a warning system. I know we we're watching it on the news. And so what is so heartbreaking is that the supervisors and their, the, the employees were interviewed to say that they were told that if you leave, you'll be fired. Our natural assumption was that the, the candle productivity trumped it. What I'd like to know, was there any contemplation for if you leave, you could be in harm's way? Because I know the company denies it, but nobody's reporting that because the unpredictability of that particular tornado at the Amazon warehouse, where most of the employees did make it to safety, but they only had 10 minutes because the course of the tornado changed, right? What we don't know is maybe the employer said it's unsafe for you to go. We know that the one witness statement said that they said, no, you'll be fired if you leave. You know, at any rate, I, I wonder if that company will ever be able to recruit again, whether it's true or not. The fact is it's already been reported that the supervisors said, no, if you leave, you don't have a job anymore, which honestly, if it comes down to your personal safety, who wouldn't just say, fuck you and leave? Yeah. They should have said, no, you can't leave. We're going to go to a safe structure. Yeah. Right? Shelter in place kind of thing. Yeah. Well, what initially happened when the first alarm went, they did say you cannot leave based on safety precautions. I don't know what the laws are, but if I feel I can protect myself better, I'm leaving. These types of companies that only care about productivity and profits, they're not fitting the mold of where people want to work anymore. They have options. So yeah. Ali, what's your thoughts on all this? Oh, I could go on ad nauseum about this because this tickles the HR part of my brain. I feel like it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, for example, they say, okay, everybody now, we heard the warning sirens, you get to go home. But then the tornado hits and then maybe not eight people, but 28 people die. Now the, the victim's families are going to be like, you let them go home. You weren't supposed to let them go home. Right. And, you know, the state's, I'm sorry, but you folks really love to sue each other. So there's going to be lawsuits that are going to be happening anyway from this perspective. But if it's in a warehouse, they have to have some sort of safety protocol. I forget what the U.S. law is, but if they have a certain number of employees, they need to have mandates, they have to have procedures, there needs to be like a fire marshal. Somebody should have been enacting on the emergency plan somewhere. Yeah. There should have been something like that. We mm -hmm. can't tell from the information that we have because it's only reported from the employee side, which if more than one person is coming forward with the story, chances are that story is probably true. Mm -hmm. Just saying. But there's no way that this company, even if they came out and said, listen, we did it by the book. We did everything here. They lost eight people. Yeah, it won't matter. No, they're done for because it doesn't matter what they say from this moment forward. Yeah. Uh, people died on their watch. 
it's scented fucking candles. Nobody is going to risk their life for that. In the U.S., they talk a lot about personal choice, personal rights. I can tell you if I get a warning that a tornado's coming, I'm doing anything to help my family and be with them in this situation is more important than anything else. I will do what I want to do in that case, even if it means putting myself at harm's risk. Company's liability is when you're forcing people to stay at a warehouse. That to me is is a liability. So I think we're all on the same page that scenting candles are not that important. Uh, well, neither sure. is the distribution warehouse for delivering fucking packages. Yeah. I mean, I agree. honestly, so it, unless you were in a hospital where no, you should stay because you're caring for people who will die otherwise. Yeah. I can't see any reason why, right. unless like you say, Ali, and I'm going to defer to you and your HR brain, because mm-hmm. unless this is part of a safety protocol where they had to threaten them anyways. There's so, one other thing that I'd want to bring up on this. Yes. There in our beautiful province, there was a situation with firefighters where uh, I think six members of a firefighting team passed away during a wildfire because somebody gave the wrong information. And I think that could have something to do with what happened there. Maybe there was somebody in the emergency protocol position saying we need to keep people here. And then it turned into, no, nobody's allowed to leave. And it completely wiped out whatever procedure they had. But again, lives were lost because of misinformation. So we don't know the full story, but definitely there needs to be some sort of investigation that happens. And I hope that we hear more about what comes from this. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's such a tragic loss. So let's talk a little bit about what predictions we have for 2022. Serge, I'm going to get you to go first. What's your prediction? Do you have an HR prediction for 2022? Yes, I have a prediction on recruitment and the whole world of work uh, in 2022. I have a lot of them. I'll go through one quickly. Maybe I'll, I'll throw a couple more in there. Okay. I predict recruitment is going to be even crazier in 2022 than it was in 2021. When I'm not talking about HR tech investment or anything like that, I'm talking about pure recruitment is going to be the craziest because... What's going to happen is they're going to have a much bigger recruiter shortage than we have right now. There is a lot of recruiters that are at the end of their leash. They're done. They're tired of the abuse. They're tired of the overwork. They're going to go find work in sales, marketing, whatever the case is. I think that's going to be a major issue in 2022 is retaining and recruiting new recruiters. Something to be aware I think because of the labor market, and we were on a podcast with Joel Cheeseman, and he brought it up, and I think he's right, is automation is going to start ramping up dramatically in 2022 because a lot of companies are going to realize we're never going to be able to fill these roles. We're just going to automate. So we're talking about like self-drivers not going to happen next year, but a lot more investment in automation in fast food places. Like there's even a place in the US that all of it is automated is there's a robot flipping your burger and your fries and there's one person working in total. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And I actually think it's welcome. I think it needs to happen. So those are my major predictions. Allie, what's yours? Ooh, I think that there's going to be a dichotomy of recruitment. There's going to be the keep up and keep moving folks. And then there's going to be the ones that just won't pick it up. We're going to see a difference between the SMB, so the small, medium enterprises that adapt and move quickly for hiring and recruitment. And then there's going to be the group that just didn't 
get the memo that we're in the 2020s now, and they're still doing the 1995 recruitment. They're going to be the ones that are going to be looking for alternative methods to put their products forward. And or they might get swallowed up by the bigger folks, because if you cannot hire the talent directly, you're going to go and acquire the talent from another small business that just doesn't get it. So I think we're going to see a a greater dichotomy between those that can and those that really don't want to. (laughs) Wow, that's really very good, Ali. So you think small to medium business is going to win the race for 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 talent? I think the ones that are agile enough to keep fast, if they keep pace with the the top talent, they're going to be flying through and they're going to be the breadwinners and the the top talent seekers. Everyone wants to work with them because they have the pace and, and they're the ones that are going to be able to keep up with the top talent. They give them what they're looking for. They understand that it's not just the compensation. They have learning packages all included. They're actually part of the great awakening from the employer perspective. And then you're going to have those that just don't even know how to take a resume that isn't faxed in. You know what I mean? So we're going to see the the two shifts become even greater. And there's just going to be this massive hole where they're like, why can't we get people? Sorry, but they're going to disappear very quickly. Wow. I love that. Allie, really good point. I think that will be fascinating to watch the year the Giants crumbled. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. Good call. Holy. Um, Anything else? Oh, sorry. What's your point? I'm done. (laughs) Oh, okay. I am going to predict the, the death of the one-way job interview, video interview. Asynchronous video interviews. Yep. Yep. I'll predict it's downfall. (laughs) Do we have a time and date stamp on that? Because I'd love to be there with the popcorn when that falters. (laughs) This tags on to the fact that we've seen candidates give us the middle finger like we've never seen it before. Candidates have control. And I know Serge is looking at me like I'm fucking crazy. I know nobody can see him on a podcast, <laughs> but I believe that candidates will give that whole one way video interview the middle finger, like looking at a screen and answering some dumbass questions. Serge, I know what you're going to say. There are some that do it well and do it real classy. And I know you've said it many times throughout these last year that when it's done well, it's done very well. But most companies do not do it well. And it is so badly done that candidates will just say, no, no. And this is what I'm also hearing from other talent acquisition people is that their hiring managers are saying, please don't come to me one more time with this stupid one-way video. We all learned how to interview over Zoom more efficiently. We can get more done, the human to human contact, but staring at a screen when your kids are in bed. I know, Serge, but you are the 1%. You are, you represent the 1%. I'm telling you, I have never talked to a candidate who didn't get the job that said having a one-way video interview was a good experience. Well, we should always take our advice on recruiting from hiring managers, right? Um, (laughs) So if we look at the investment in video tech across the industry and how much dollars have been invested, Mm -hmm. you are absolutely crazy to think that one way of interviewing is going anywhere. I see the doubling, triple, doubling. Prove, oh, that wrong. Prove me wrong. I know you've got a real boner for this and you think it's just the greatest thing ever, but no, I'm telling you, I am predicting that it will fall flat. 
It'll be one of those little crazes or trends because there's no efficiency. There is no efficiency at all. If you don't know what you're doing, yes, there's no efficiencies, but there is. And most companies don't search. That's my whole point is that most companies don't do this well. To your point, Ali, Ali said it. She nailed it. She says the ones that do it well will be successful. The ones that don't will not. The ones and most companies really really suck at doing it. They're doing it so badly. I I agree. I agree. Shelly, synchronous video interviewing is just, it's gross because there's not really much that you can defer from that from another conversation. So sorry, Serge, not on that team. That being said, I happen to be the founder of a tech company that works for asynchronous screening. That's just not videos. So we do get some information from the candidates ahead of time, but we also give the candidates the information that we're giving to the employer. So they know exactly what information is going forward. I think that there's going to be the focus on the candidate experience. And that's why that asynchronous video thing is just going to go away because if everybody's fed up with it and they're not getting any feedback and it's not a good experience, then pretty soon that's going to be a, well, shit, we don't want to use this. We have to find something else. No one is saying, no one, like (laughs) an aggregate is saying that video interviews are not working because investors and companies signing up are definitely not saying that. So I, I disagree, but we'll see at the end of 2022. But you know, ladies, it's been fantastic. <laughs> Mr. Fucking last word. I'm right. You're wrong. Oh, and let's say, let's, just, sign yeah, let's, just let's just sign off. Let's just sign off. Let's just sign off. No, it's been a pleasure to work with you all year, Shelly. This has been an amazing year of growth for the podcast. And to yeah. all our guest co-hosts, like Ali, thank you so much for joining. I'm going to call pleasure. out Kim, Jesse, Will. Uh, Michelle Berg, everyone that's joined us, thank you so much for co-hosting. Thank you so much for listening to this rambling of me and Shelly. Hope you got value. A lot of exciting things coming out in 2022. It's going to be another year of growth, but I wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thank you. Shelly. Thank you. Yes. Same for me. Merry Christmas. Allie, thank you so much. I just love the perspective you bring. I just love being around smart women, just like Serge. And he's a smart guy. Too. We'll give him that. Absolutely. And uh, bah humbug to everybody. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.